Come on, how many are thankful for the greatest gift of all? How many are thankful for the gift of love that God so graciously extended to us through his son, Jesus? I don't know about you, but I feel Jesus in this room today. Come on, don't you feel Jesus in this room today? Can we just acknowledge him one more time? Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you. You're welcome in this place. We're so thankful and grateful that you chose to dwell among us. We honor you in this room today. We honor you in our homes this morning. We reverence you. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You're not afar off, but you are present. You are here. And we honor you and we praise you. It's in your son's holy name that we pray. Amen. And everyone said, amen. One more time, could you put your hands together and give the Lord praise. It's good to see you this morning. Everybody doing okay? Are you sure? You look good. You're welcome. I was waiting for someone to receive that. And uh, it's an honor to be with you today. Nate, thank you for last week. Thank you for taking time to minister to us and just allowing me to come and be a part of the service as well in that capacity. Let Nate know you love and appreciate him. Um, I'm supposed to be talking about legacy. I've asked you to pray. I've asked you to seek the Lord about it. And I'm going to trust that you've done that and that today you've brought an offering towards legacy to give unto the Lord. If you haven't done that yet, um, don't worry. There's still time, and you can bring that at any time. But today is a designated day for us to receive that offering. And, um, you know, I could go on and on about the work that's being done and the plans for the future, and we believe that our future is bright. We still believe the best is yet to come. Um, this isn't it, if, in case anybody's wondering. We're not settling here. We still have a pioneering spirit, and we're going to move forward in Jesus' name. Amen? Until Jesus comes. So let's just be, again, in prayer about this. And uh, as Mary told his disciples, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Amen. I want to talk to you today on the gift, and I want you to uh, go with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And uh, let's pick it up, I believe, in verse 21. And it says, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. You can read about that in Matthew. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. 
So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required by the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. How many of you know it's important just to be there? How many know things happen when you show up? He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. And I'll stop there. The Jewish custom that Joseph and Mary undertook goes back all the way to the law that is outlined in Leviticus chapter 12. The law required that a spotless lamb be brought to the temple. If one could not afford a lamb, they could bring two doves or they could bring two pigeons to be offered as a sin offering unto the Lord. How many are thankful that we no longer have to bring sacrifices unto the Lord to offer up for our atonement, but Jesus has been offered up once and for all. Amen. So the fact that Joseph and Mary bring two pigeons tells us that like a lot of young couples who are starting out, they were struggling. All right. They were struggling uh, to make ends meet. And so the story lets us know that they probably did not have enough money, wasn't in their budget to be able to offer up a lamb. But in a deeper sense, if you just kind of begin to peel this thing back, we see them offering up their son Jesus as they bring him to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord, that he would become that spotless lamb that God was looking for. And so the circumcision and the purification ceremonies that we read about here uh, was done as a reminder to everyone that we were all born in sin and need a Savior. Every one of us. Now, Jesus himself here could have been excused from this part of the law because we know that there was no sin in him. And so, but what we do see here in this story is this. We see that even as a baby, he is identifying with sinners. He would later model this with his baptism and then finally on the cross, him identifying with us. Think about this. He who knew no sin became sin for us 
And so at eight days old, he begins to bear the sins of the world at eight days old. Mary and Joseph did offer him. They offered up a lamb, a lamb who would take away the sin of the world. Amen. But it was also during this time that God was preparing a man by the name of Simeon to experience a divine encounter with God, a divine encounter with the Savior. The Bible tells us this about Simeon. It's as though he just comes on the scene at this moment. This is what we know about him. He was a righteous man, which simply means that he was in right standing with God, that he was devoted to God and the cause of God, and he was King James waiting on the consolation of, of or for Israel. He was waiting with anticipation for the Messiah. I believe this story reveals to us and shows us a couple of things. Number one, I believe it reveals to us and shows to us how to encounter the presence of God, how to encounter God himself. And then I believe this story reveals to us how we respond when God shows up. I don't know about anyone else in this room, but here's what I want. I want to experience God. I want to experience his presence. I want to experience his glory. And I know there is more to God than what I have experienced so far. Amen? How many of you know we can go deeper? Come on, we can go deeper in him. And so I believe that the Lord is getting ready to visit his people again. And I believe the Lord is getting us prepared for an encounter with him again. And so the first thing that needs to begin to happen in our hearts is the same thing that was happening with Simeon. The first thing was this. Simeon was expecting God to show up. He was expecting God to show up. If you want God to show up in your life, and if you want God to show up in your situation, in your family, in your church, then you have to expect God to show up. Amen. Amen. Expectation, as, as they say, is the breeding ground for miracles. It's the breeding ground for God to do what only God can do. Expectation prepares you for what you believe will happen. And I talked about that a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to say this again. Your expectation will prepare you for what you believe will happen. And Simeon believed that God was going to show up. His expectation and our expectation should be based upon the word of God. It should not be based upon the opinion of others. It should not be based upon our past experiences. But our expectation should be based upon the word of the living God. So whatever God says will be, then our expectation will, should be, so be it. Amen? Just like Mary, be it unto me 
according to your word. I think that's something that we need to adopt in this time and in this season of our history. I think we need to get back to a point where we are trusting God and believing God and expecting God to do what God said he was going to do. Amen? God said expect it to happen. And many times we have to understand what we need to understand about God is God shows up many times in times or seasons of an uncertainty, adversity, or when it seems like all hope has been uh, or is gone. The word consolation that you'll find in the, New, or in the King James Version of this story means to comfort. It's the same word where we get comforter from. In particular, it means to comfort someone after a loss or someone who has experienced extreme disappointment. So the consolation of Israel was meant to comfort those who had experienced loss or who had gone through extreme disappointment. Now, I could talk to every single one of us in this room today, and all of those that are online this morning, all of us can identify in some area, in some season and time in our life where we have experienced loss and we have gone through disappointment. But I want you to know you can expect God and should expect God to show up in seasons of disappointment and seasons of loss in our life. To do what? to comfort us, to encourage us, to undergird us, to strengthen us, to, co to continue to give us joy, to continue to impart peace in our lives. We should expect that from our Savior. Amen. You have to understand the climate and the time in which Jesus came during Simeon's day. You have to understand the political climate. You have to understand the, the spiritual climate of his day. We know this, that God had not spoken for 400 years. From the time of Malachi to the time of Matthew, there was a 400-year gap of silence, nothing. It's known as the dark ages. God is silent. People are wondering, where is God? Where has God gone? Why isn't God speaking? Why isn't God moving? And so he lived in a time where God was silent. He also lived in a time where Caesar Augustus ruled the world. Now Caesar brought peace to the region at this time, but he also saw himself as a God and exalted himself in that manner. So Simeon lived in a time and a day where God was silent and those who called the shots of the day were not godly nor God-centered. As a matter of fact, they mocked the God of the Jews. They mocked Jehovah. They mocked the God that Israel worshipped. So Jesus' birth came at a time in history where many people had lost hope, where many people were disappointed and were living in despair. It was everywhere, but yet there was one man that we read about who still was holding on to hope. How many of you know that God can do great things in bad times? How many of you know that the darker it gets, the greater his light shines? How many of you know that God does incredible things in difficult times? He really does. Simeon then becomes an example to all of us 
on how it is or what it means to hold on to a promise when it seems helpless, to hold on to a promise when we have been disappointed. He never lost sight of the promise of God. Even though he had experienced, like all of us, even though he had experienced life's disappointments, how long did he have to wait? How long did he wonder, is this the one that we've been waiting for? How long, did, how many times was he let down? You have to understand, this prophecy of a Messiah goes all the way back to the fall of man. When man, Adam, fell, God promised that he was going to send a Savior who would crush the head of the serpent. Amen. So for 4,000 years, Israel's been waiting for this Redeemer to come. Time and time again, is this the one? Is he the one? Is this the time? Is this the season? Only to be let down and disappointed. But Simeon was a man who did not let past experiences or what others said rob him of his hope and dream that God was going to show up. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I want you to hold on when it seems helpless. I don't care how many times you've been disappointed. God is faithful to fulfill his promise. Come on, if you believe that, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I got two more of these, brother. Give me some more monitor, please. Hold on when it seems hopeless. God shows up and God comes to those who are expecting. We need to develop a spirit of expectation in dark times. We need to have a spirit of expectation in difficult times. We need to hold on even though it seems as though God has quit speaking to us. We need, a, we need an expectation even if those who are in power are godless. I'm going to say something, and it's not a political statement. It is a statement of fact. True power rests in the church house, not the White House. And some of you are disappointed and some of you feel helpless because of what's going on with the political systems of our day. But I want you to know I'm not looking to the political realm. I'm looking to the one who promised us that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I know that God has put true power in the church house. Amen. And it's time for us to quit passing the buck and stand up and take our rightful place in the world. Amen, preacher. Come on, online church, help me out right here. We have to wait with full expectancy, and God will show up. I'm trying to help someone in this room today because I, your faith is weak right now. But I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, God will show up. God will show up. When it seems hopeless, helpless, 
and you've been disappointed, God will show up. Tell them again. God will show up. Come on, online church, type it in. God will show up. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. So the question then becomes, why did Simeon have such great expectation in times of darkness? Well, the reason that he had great expectation during dark time, this dark time was Simeon was encouraged by God's promise. He was encouraged by God's promise. What was the promise? Simeon was promised, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. That's the promise. You're not going to leave this people planet until the promise that God has spoken concerning your life comes to fulfillment. I don't care who you are. It will come to pass. Now, we don't know when Simeon received this promise. However, historians tell us that he was an old man when this promise was fulfilled. So we're not sure how long he had to wait, but we know he knew how to wait. He knew how to wait. The Bible tells us he was what? Eagerly waiting. He looked forward, not backward. He looked forward to the promise. He waited forwardly in all talk about that in a moment. We have all experienced life's waiting room. All of us. Some of you are there right now. We know, say I know, breakthrough is coming. You didn't have to say that, but you sounded good saying it. We know that. It's not if, it's when. So we know it's coming. Simeon knew it's not if, it's just when. When will this happen? And so we've all been through and are, have experienced God's waiting room. The key in the waiting room is not to lose sight of your promise. And Simeon teaches us how to hold on to your promise. First of all, Simeon shows us that he knew God's promise. He knew God's promise. So my question to you and to me, do you know his promise? Do you know what his promise is to you concerning your life, concerning your situation, concerning your family, concerning your finances, concerning your health, because I said it last week, I'll say it again, there are over 7,000 pronounced promises and or blessings in your Bible. One of them has your name on it. It does. Simeon knew God's promise. If you don't know God's promise right now concerning your situation, here's what I would suggest. I would suggest that you get alone with God. And I would wait for God to reveal his promise to me. And I would do that 
through meditating on His Word and then waiting to hear from the Holy Spirit. No less than three times in this particular story do we read about Simeon listening and obeying the Holy Spirit. No less than three. So the same Holy Spirit who spoke to Simeon is the same Holy Spirit who can speak to you. Amen? And he will. He will. So know God's promise. Number two, once you know God's promise, receive it. Receive it. How? By faith. By faith. It is impossible to please God without it. So once I know it, I receive it. It's mine. Say it's mine. Come on, say it like you've had some coffee. It's mine. You hold on to it. And you don't let go of it. No matter what is going on in your life, you hold on to it. The third thing you begin to do once you receive it is believe it. Say, I believe. believe. Simeon believed the promise of God. Believing is a form of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what happens then is this. You begin to rehearse that promise over and over in your life. Because the more you hear it, the more you'll buy into it, the more you will own it, the more you will believe it to come to pass. See, for too long, we, we flipped this and we've been listening to the lie of the devil. We've been listening even to sometimes ourself lying to ourself. And we've, we believed not the report of the Lord, but we have believed a false report. But you have to hold on to the word of God and receive it and rehearse it over and over again in your life until it is planted deeply in your heart. How do I know when it's planted deeply in my heart? No one can talk me out of it. No one can talk me out of it. No situation can rob me from it. That's when I know I got a hold of this thing and I'm not letting go until it comes to pass. The fourth thing that you need to do is watch for it. Look at your neighbor and tell them, watch out. Simeon watched for God's promise. I want to ask you a question. Are you all still with me? Let me ask you this question. What would happen if we got up every single day of our life and we went into every single day of our life believing this could be the day that things change. I wonder what would happen. Somewhere between the sunrise and the sunset, I'm going to see God's promise, God's purpose, God's plan for my life begin to manifest. You know, Lamentations 3.22 tells us that every day brings a fresh patch of God's mercy, of God's goodness, and God's grace, and God's faithfulness. I wonder what would happen if every single morning, every single day of our life, we got up believing this is the day. This is the day I'm going to see God's promise manifest in my life. Simeon never lost sight of his promise. That means... That means, this is what it means, I should say, to wait forwardly. He watched for the promise of God. 
we are told to what? We are told to watch and pray. In other words, look for what you are praying for. Watch and pray. And every day, Simeon went to the temple with his head up. We need to get our heads back up, church. I know you've gone through some disappointments. I know you've gone through some dark times. I know you've gone through difficulty, but keep your head up. That promise is still in front of you. And every time Simeon went to the temple, he gazed out waiting, wondering, watching until one day what he knew was in his heart was manifested in front of him. He saw what he was believing God for. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I'm just going to prophesy to you right now and tell you, you will see what you are believing God for. Take a 10-second praise break and give the Lord praise. For those of you here for the first time, that is my wife. <laughs> you never know. Went to that church, that preacher was kissing the keyboard player. I told her when I got the point four, just come on. So she didn't, I, I don't know. Have I said point four? Oh, I know why, because point two had four points to it. Did I say 30 minutes? Okay, well then I'm wrong. Trust me, I'm wrong. Okay, I can flow with it. Just look pretty over there, that's what you do. Listen, if you want to increase your chances of finding something, here comes a deep revelation. Are you ready for it? Look for it. I wonder where those keys are. Because it's once a week with me. Where did I put those keys? Look for it. Because sometimes in our waiting, we forget to look. Sometimes we become so patient, we become complacent. too content, and we just quit looking. Every day, Simeon went to the temple looking into the eyes of strangers, looking for someone, watching with his eyes open, believing that this could be the day when what he saw, what he believed in his heart, he would experience in his life. Amen? Come on, it's Christmas season, and I believe this could be the season of what you've been, what you've been believing God for. Amen? Amen? I had two more points, but I guess I'm going to stop right here. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm just going to give them to you, I promise. Just, just 
Once Simeon saw the promise. See, because this is where some people are. Some people see it and that's good enough. Once Simeon saw the promise, he ran towards it. It was like a beeline towards the promise. And the next thing Simeon does is he embraces the promise. I don't know about you, I just don't want to see. I want to embrace everything that God has for us. Don't you? Don't you want that? Come on, don't you want that? So let me just shift gears and be prophetic here. I'm gonna tie two and three together. There is a promise that is yet to be fulfilled. There are two actually. One is a great outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh, Acts chapter two. God says, before I come, I'm gonna pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are gonna prophesy. Your old men are gonna dream dreams. Your young men are going to see vision. You're gonna lay hands on the sick. They're gonna recover. You're gonna cast out devils in Jesus' name. Revival, revival in dark times, in times of disappointment. How many are still believing for the outpouring of God's spirit? coming how many are expecting it come on how many are eagerly expecting it so Simeon was come here hon this is my daughter by the way. one of my daughters by the way I guess our daughter right he was prompted by the spirit nudged by the spirit go to the temple Go to the temple. Don't fall off the stage. Go to the temple. And I feel like God, come here, hon. I feel like God is just nudging his church. Get to the house of God. Get back to the house of God. Well, I feel this. I feel like God is just, this is my other daughter, Brittany. I feel like the Holy Spirit's just, aren't they beautiful? I feel like God's just nudging his church. Get to the house. Get to the church. Get connected back in the body. Because I'm getting ready to do something that this world's never seen. And I want you not only to see it, I want you to experience it. Amen. This one encounter, this one experience, I should say, his encounter with Jesus prepared him for death. He said, now I'm ready to die in peace. I've been at the bedside of many people who have taken their last breath on this earth and have gone into eternity. It's hard to describe, and some of you have been there, you know what I'm talking about, but there's an incredible peace that comes into that place right before that happens. And they die in peace. I've also had the unfortunate times of being in a room with someone who has not embraced Jesus. And there's a coldness. 
void of peace in that space. When is a person really ready to meet Jesus? When is a person really ready to die in peace? When they've embraced Jesus in their heart as Lord and Savior. That's when you're ready. So symbolically, Simeon embracing Jesus in his arms is us embracing Jesus in our heart. And when you take Jesus in your heart, then you're ready to die. You're ready to go. There's a peace. There's a peace in your heart. There's a peace in your heart. And death no longer has fear over you. Amen. So, if you're in this room, and I know you are, by the Spirit of God, and you've not embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did at one time and your relationship with Him has gone cold and you're not in a right relationship with Him, the biblical term would be backslidden. The Lord is calling you and the Lord is prompting you by His Spirit. He's here today. He's been here all day. We felt His presence all morning. And He's calling you. Will you embrace Him this morning? Will you accept Him as your Savior? Because there is a second advent getting ready to take place. And it is the return of our Lord and Savior. And He's not coming as a babe in a manger. He's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords. And He's not going to be in the temple, but His foot is going to be on the temple mount, and He's going to split the eastern sky. And those who have embraced Him are going to be called up together with Him. So if you don't know the Lord and you want to rededicate or you want to give your heart to the Lord this morning, today is your day to be reintroduced and to accept Jesus as your Savior. So on the count of three, I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you to take a step of faith and say, that's me. One, two, three, get your hand up. God bless you. Just get it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want to give my heart, recommit my heart to the Lord this morning. Come on. Amen. Now listen to me, those of you that lifted your hand, I want you to do something really bold. I want you to do something really brave. I want you to step out from where you are and I want you to meet me at this altar quickly. Just come, don't think about it, just come. Come on, as they come, church, just let them know. Maybe you're watching online, just follow me right through this. Come on in, come on in. Church, as they come, would you let them know? Come on, encourage them as they come this morning.